Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Chris. Uh, Chris is a podcaster and all-around cool person that has uh, doesn't play very many video games, but when they do, when he does, it seems to be just about all Souls games. Uh, we have a great conversation. We um, actually came back a couple months later uh, during the main episode. He had said that he had not finished Demon Souls. So a couple months goes by and he calls me up last week and says, Hey, I finished Demon Souls and I have opinions about it. So stay tuned after the credits um, and you'll have a brief addendum where he talks about Demon Souls. Warning, he doesn't like it that much. So it's going to be a controversial opinion. Um, the music that I use in that break after the credits, by the way, is from uh, Liam, who was on episode number 27. It's a kind of a remix and rearrangement of the Adjudicators theme from Demon Souls. And it's really, really good. So go check out his stuff. Thanks, and as always, enjoy the episode. I'm uh, I'm excited to do this. I love the the, the the concept of like talking about what any kind of art means to you on like a personal level is something that is. Uh, really near and dear to my heart. So I've, I've always loved the idea for this podcast since you put it out there on the, in the essay thread from the beginning. I just, I loved the idea. So it's very Thanks. cool. Thank you for uh, bringing me on. I'm glad we finally got to hook up. Yeah. I, um, it's been really weird. Like I, I, I had this worry in the back of my head that I would start this thing and it would literally be like the same podcast week after week. Uh, but like, I'm like 50 episodes deep now as far as what I've got recorded. And it's, it floors me that each episode is as different as it is. Like, I mean, there's some similar stories and things, but like yesterday I was talking to a guy and we got like into this conversation about his father dying. And like, Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, it just, it's, it's really weird how art in general, but like dark souls very specifically has kind of wormed its way into our brains and changed who we are on a kind of a fundamental level. So it's, it's, it's been a fun show to do so far. Good, good, awesome. Where did you start with the Soul series? So it's kind of uh, kind of complicated because the thing is, I'm not really. Uh, I wouldn't say I like video games very much. Um, I would kind of go the other direction and say uh, I'm 30 now. I just turned 30, and I probably stopped playing video games sometime around the end of college. Um, so for the last eight years. Uh, well, I guess I started playing Dark Souls at 27, so there's about a five-year gap where I didn't play any video games. Um, in college, I played World of Warcraft with my roommates, and that kind of soured me uh, on video <laughs> games for a very long time. And I kind of moved to more, like, um, fun games as opposed to games that felt like a job. So, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like your Mario Parties and Golden Eyes in college, and then, like, uh, Mortal Kombat, Madden, just stuff like you can crack open a beer and play with friends. That's what I liked. Um yeah, like the social aspect of games was, wasn't as competitive or as like, you you have to research 30 pages of a wiki to realize what a build is to, in order to figure out like how you're going to get through this game. Exactly. So how the hell do I like Dark Souls? Um, <laughs> there was uh, a summer, I, I think it was about three years ago, where just a bunch of things collided um, that I suddenly had a ton of free time. Uh, I'm a teacher by profession, though I'm trying to get out of that. Uh, and due to trying to get out of that, with free summers, I'd been taking a bunch of classes over the summers. So, for example, like the summer before this, like when I was 26, I took all of or- a year of organic chemistry in two months over the summer. Um, 
So, dude, what? Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Was, I know people who've gone through organic chemistry. That's not that's no small. That's not a small challenge. <laughs> it was absolutely awful. Um, and uh, right before that summer, I went through a really horrible breakup uh, as well, like a real surprise breakup. Um, so all of a sudden, I had all of this free time, no class, no job, no girlfriend. Uh, all of my friends were like married or had full time jobs. So all of a sudden, I just had nothing to do um, except like be sad, um, and I didn't want to do that. Um, so one of my good friends, Paul, uh, he—I don't remember if it was for video gaming or I think it was because I didn't have a Blu-ray player, but I'm a movie guy, so I had a bunch of Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to watch a million director's commentaries so I don't feel sad all the time. Uh, can I borrow your uh, PS3? And uh, he offered – actually, he offered it to me because he uh, was moving in with his wife and had a, a PS4 and just was like, yeah, I don't need this. Take it. And wanted to take some games too. I was like, ah, we don't really like the same games. Um, but one of them uh, that jumped out at me was Dark Souls, which I remembered because I knew that as the game that my friend – constantly said, a different friend, constantly said was the hardest fucking game he'd ever played. (laughs) Uh, Possibly using those words. I know that um, this other friend, Wyatt, had purchased the game, returned it before he finished it, purchased it back, returned it again, and then bought it back again and finally finished it. So (laughs) it had a reputation among me and my friends. So I went, all right, you know what? I've got all this time. Let's try it. And that's how Dark Souls kind of happened for me. And you said he, um, you said he had a PS4. So this was in the last couple of years. So this wasn't, not, this wasn't too yeah. long ago. No, this I think I was 27. So this was I think three years ago, possibly. Yeah, I think it was three years ago. That seems right. Uh, maybe okay. it was two. Maybe my timeline's a little bit off. Um, Didn't really matter. I was just kind of curious. So, yeah. So you put yeah, you so, put the game in, and what happened? I'm kind of curious about this first impression from someone who wasn't really playing any games at all. Wasn't playing any games. Don't really like sword and fantasy stuff like that. Like, um, I've been a tabletop <laughs> gamer for a long time, but I hate D and D. I'm just, I guess, like, I guess I'm just a, a hipster in that regard. It's like I don't like the things that most people like about certain uh, mediums. But I put it in, kind of expecting it to be more like. Um, I guess what I knew of was, like, Skyrim or Neverwinter Nights in regards to, like, sword and board and shooting magic missile games and things like that. So I was like, oh, you know what? I always liked in D&D playing thieves, so I'll just build this dex guy and go and stab people with daggers. And I thought that that would be viable, because that's how a lot of those games work. Uh, Turns out, I found myself throwing my head into every single uh, enemy for the entire first, like, chunk of time that I'd played the game. <laughs> My first wall of an enemy was not the assignment. It was the uh, the hollow that had a shield in the room before you dropped down on the Asylum Demon. I could not beat that guy for so long. <laughs> he was tough. If you have no idea what to do with the an enemy with the shield and, like, didn't really click that the message on the ground told you to kick and or like but it doesn't sit and say like you know kick enemies with shield it just says here's how to kick like it doesn't tell you that that's what you're supposed to do like like enemy shielded enemies fucked me up for i mean like a good six or seven hours into this game if not longer oh man do you want to know the list of things that i screwed up uh and didn't know what to do the first time i played dark souls so through that friend who returned it uh wyatt uh, so many times i knew that people could come into your game um just while you were playing and murder you didn't really know what the, how the invasion mechanic works, but I was like, that sounds terrible. I'll just play offline. 
that made the game a lot harder for one. Um, didn't look anything up. Didn't know how to kick. Didn't know how to backstab. Didn't know how to parry. Uh, didn't even know any of these things really existed. Barely knew how to jump. Um, didn't know how to upgrade materials. Didn't know how scale. Didn't know what attributes were. Just knew strength and dex and went, yeah, sure. Uh, there was just so many things that made it so much harder for me <laughs> than it had to be. And the good thing was, I had all of this free time. I just kept going at it. Uh, there was never a point where I went, screw this. It was just me constantly throwing myself at this game because the alternative was like watching a sad movie and getting day drunk, and that seemed not appealing at that age. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Did you were you tempted to like hit up the wikis and figure stuff out and to like start researching the game? Um, so I used those two friends as kind of a uh, complaint board. I would just sure. text them, uh, mostly swears, uh, but also kind of asking them things to do. Um, like I learned how to upgrade through them, but I didn't learn that until Enerlando. Um, I learned about summoning, but also didn't learn that from through uh, until Enerlando. But they did. They would whoa, like, whoa, 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 guide whoa, me in whoa, the whoa. right directions. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't learn how to upgrade a weapon until Enerlando? <laughs> um, so that seems impossible. <laughs> Well, at the same time that I was a complete mess of doing everything wrong, there was somehow a couple of things that I did really correctly. Um, back when I was a kid and I did still like video games, my favorite video game was uh, Resident Evil, uh, and I loved playing as Jill, so I always had a thing for keys and like unlocking things in games as early as possible, so I took the master key, um, and that helped me get some things that I probably uh, wouldn't have had normally. Um and I also, because I was so willing to throw my head against these enemies and not care how much time it wasted, um, I just spent probably 30 minutes uh, on the bridge near Solaire, uh, running up the stairs, shooting the drake with an arrow, running back down as the flames <laughs> went over. Not knowing, like, now I know you can do it. If you want to do this, you can do it from under the bridge. Didn't know that. <laughs> so I got the drake sword, and I was like, this is amazing. I can use this all game. Uh, and I used it all the way through uh, Anerlano, not knowing that you could upgrade. Now, I don't know if you could upgrade. Uh, I don't know if you could get the materials that early for that weapon. Uh, you you can, but you, you have to like go out of your way and like actually know what what you're doing and all of that stuff. Like it's possible, but not very likely that someone's going to stumble into something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, had no idea. I think actually, um, I think can you get like a lightning halberd in Sense Four? Uh, lightning spear. Yeah. I, I think I am switching to that uh, in yeah. Sense fortress but because um while sense fortress was hard again common enemies just flummoxing me the two snake guys in front of sense fortress probably took me as long as the rest of sense fortress did <laughs> did you do that thing where like you eventually figure out like okay i can hit i can go and i can aggro the two and i can bring them back and i can hit the switch and usually like that that trap will hit take out one of them for me and then i can just take care of the other one and yeah that's, that's how i eventually got my way through there one of the things that I love about Dark Souls is that no one has the same, A, no one has the same experience, but no one has the same opinions on what is difficult and what is not. There are some universal mm -hmm. things, like 90% of people will say Capra Demon is hard. But um, So yeah, most people can do that. To this day, where I would say like I'm kind of good at the game now, I cannot get those stupid snakes to run in front of that trap. <laughs> so I couldn't do it then, sure. I can't do it now. <laughs> Oh man, I, I just like 
you say in that, like, when you said you didn't figure out how to upgrade, I just, I, for some reason, I didn't even think about the, the Drake Sword or, or using the Lightning mm-hmm. Spear. But that, that makes a lot more sense now, because those are fairly high-powered weapons for the, for the beginning. What did you settle into, like, after that? Like, once you figure out how to upgrade, did you pick a different weapon, or...? You know, even if I... Even if it wasn't the materials, I don't know if I would have realized it until my friend said, like, well, what is your weapon? And I was like, oh, well, I guess I probably I said, like, a Lightning Sword. Yeah, but, like, what Lightning Sword? I'm like, no, 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 just it's it's just lightning. What do you mean? They're like plus two, plus three. What? (laughs) What? Uh, I think so. For that game, what I ended up using for a long time, if I remember correctly, don't remember what shield it was. It was probably a big shield. Um, I had the red wizard's robe costume that you find in a Blight Town, I think. Um, And I just put up my shield and I poked because I didn't roll. I didn't think tumbling was good. It seemed like it was. Uh, it didn't help that much, and eventually, I um, I know that I'm not sure if it was when I ran into the wall that was Ornstein and Smo, or when I ran into the wall that was Four Kings, that I switched to using entirely stone armor, some sort mm-hmm. of claymore and a giant shield, and just bashing shit to death. There you go, the, the poise monster that is the <laughs> the, the poise monster PvP build, basically. That's the thing. Like this was years ago, and I still have very clear and vivid memories of this week where I barely left my house and just played this game to distract myself um, from just the way I was feeling. And I can still remember these details of uh, like just the, the the weapons that I used when I can remember uh, like what I did last weekend. <laughs> And that's amazing. That's how Dark Souls is, man. It's crazy. What do you think, besides, obviously you had, like, time to kill and you were kind of, like, not running away from your problems, but you were, like, looking for something to fill up your day. Um, what was it about Dark Souls? Like, was it something about the mechanics? Like, just the way that the character moved? Like, what what drew you in so much that you just would keep, keep going after it, even getting frustrated at various walls? It's a game that I should have probably quit if I knew what was good for me, but... I wish I could... I think it was the fact that I hate being beaten, specifically by technology. Like, um, if, if say, something on my computer is not working, uh, I will spend so much time trying to figure out why that is and what's wrong with it, um, because I just don't like when inanimate objects beat me. And I think, I think that was a huge part of it, is I just didn't want to lose to this game that had been hyped up as uh, unbelievably hard and, and this game that destroyed my friend's... Uh, in so many different ways. So I think it was just stupid stubbornness. <laughs> I mean, now, straight up stubbornness. That's great. I can tell you what keeps, what keeps me coming back is absolutely the mechanics. Um, yeah. Dark Souls 1 feels like home to me. Uh, no matter how far away I get from that game or how many other games I play, and by other games I mostly mean like Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3, um, but every time... I come back and I get to Firelink Shrine for the first time. It's just like, I guess like that scene in the new Star Wars movie. It's just like, yeah, this is home. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be. How long did it take you to start picking up on, like, the kind of the story threads of Dark Souls? Like, the way that they, they bury the story in, like, item descriptions and things, like, took me forever to figure out. Like, was that something that your friends clued you into? That were, you were hinting, that were giving you some hints via text? Or did it, no, because did it they're, not lore, or, they're not lore people at all. Um, so... After I beat it the first time, 
um, I decided, okay, now's the time when I can go uh, look up some stuff. Like, where'd that onion guy go? I, I just completely lost track of that guy. He was pretty cool. Um, and, you know, the, the, the Sun Knight guy. What, what happened there? Uh, why did I have to murder that, that priestess that I found? It's things like that that bothered me, and I, I wanted to know why I did them wrong. And, again, not many games, I, I think going back to Resident Evil, the first time I played that, not many games made me finish it and then immediately restart it. Um, so I, at this point, I lo- started looking stuff up, and I think I just typed in Dark Souls, and I found some walkthroughs. I found Vati Vidya's uh, Prepare to Cry series. I found, um, I, pr- I, th- I think at this point, I found Bonfireside Chat. Um, and I found Lobos Jr. It's like I found just a bunch of things that I thought were really cool and kind of <laughs> – and well, I didn't have any other time. Like I had nothing to do. I just kind of immersed myself in Dark Souls and I ended up beating it three consecutive times over the course of like two weeks and uh, significantly reduced my time each time I played through it um, due to like a- adopting those Lobos strategies kind of and learning the lore. I, I made a whole lore through like one time I made sure I did all the quests. One time I tried to do some like speed running strats that went terribly, but it was still fun. I love that you can Google dark souls as like somebody who's just coming to dark souls for the first time and find like Vadi Vidya making cinematic story videos based on the characters that you would probably never pick up on in game. You can find Bonfireside Chad, and you know I know those dudes personally, so I'm not going to like compliment them too much. But like, a very detailed step by step walkthrough of every single thing in that series. Like, and then Lobos Junior, like, <laughs> like with all these weird challenge runs. Those are three so disparate things from one another that yes. this one particular game has like created. That's that's insanity to me. Like, it's yeah, just so I, it's so interesting. I'm sure some of it was um, uh, something awful. I'm sure they directed me somewhere. Um, I know that. I think I didn't look out the lore stuff because I just don't think I thought that I felt like it was an abstract story. And so I never really went, Oh, there's a story here. You're ringing bells and then you're killing a King. It's just like, that's it. Okay. It it reminded me of a Nintendo game kind of Um, like in the legend of Zelda. Like you don't really know why you're doing that thing. You're just kind of doing it. And I remembered that from being a kid uh, and it felt like that in a lot of ways, but I think probably as I was watching a walkthrough, um, I think related videos on the side probably gave me, like, prepare to cry, Sif. I was like, oh, what's this? Oh, my God. This is terrible. <laughs> now I'm really sad again. Uh, <laughs> this was, this didn't think, cheer me up at all. This is terrible. I hate this. No, no. Um, I, I guess, you know what? It, the funny thing is the, the lore, I like the lore a lot in the game, but it never made me, like, super sad. Like, I understand that part of it is sad, but... um. But, like, I, I don't see Sif and go, oh, no, I don't want to kill you this time. Because the mechanics take over so much for you. I'm just like, sorry, buddy. Like, I got I to gotta get through you so I can go kill those four kings, assholes. Let's do this. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar in a way. Like, I can I can play the game and I can, like, watch the lore videos and everything. And when I'm watching the lore videos, I'm like, oh, man, Siegfried, Sigling, Like, that really sucks. And if, especially if it's done in kind of an artful way, it's a, you know, that brings out the emotions. But, like actually playing the game and I'm like, Oh fuck it. I need that slab. So to get the slab, I need to, da, 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 da. Exactly. <laughs> like, and, and you mentioned it earlier, like you had a lore playthrough that you wanted to finish all the quest lines. Like that's as far as I go with that stuff is just wanted to see some of that stuff end up in its conclusion in my own games and not on the internet. Mm-hmm. I certainly was bummed when I did that second or third playthrough and I, uh, I got down to Ash Lake with onion bro and I was just like, Oh, that's, that sucks. And I definitely went out of my way to collect all of the humanity to give to um, 
Quelana, uh, yeah, Quelana, and make sure I saved Solaire and brought him to uh, the Gwyn fight with me one of the times early on. So, I mean, there's stuff that uh, I love to do in Dark Souls One, even now. Uh, these days, I will, uh, I will dupe the, uh, I will use the dupe glitch to get the thirty humanity, um, partially to save Solaire and partially so that I don't have to run through the whole shitty demon ruins. Yeah, <laughs> open up that shortcut. But there's just certain things I love to do in Dark Souls now. Uh, like I said, it just feels like that game really does feel like home. It's so familiar to me. Um, I feel like I could close my eyes and just map out any area in that game, and no video game has ever made me feel that welcome and that immersed. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds strange because Dark Souls is not a welcoming game. Um, but to the point now where it's so familiar to me, it, it feels like a safe place, which as I'm saying that out loud sounds so weird, but it's, it's, just, it's it um, feels right. It's an interesting combination of something like a, like a pattern recognition of like, just like a standard, let's say a 2d, like Nintendo, super Nintendo game where, you know, you're just Mario and you're jumping through some hoops and that can sound, that can feel like gratifying and, but you can memorize and do that blindfolded or whatever. But dark souls, like, the way that it everything is the same, but it's you that changes every time. Like you can choose to use different weapons, you can choose to do a different build, you can choose not to do any build and do a soul level one build. You can choose who to save, who not to save. But everything's pretty much going to be the same within these exact environmental you know variables that you control yourself. Like I think that's something very empowering about that. I think that's why people keep going back to that and like I can play it in my head. I've heard several people say that exact same thing on this podcast of like I could close my eyes and just like have a controller in my hand and literally go through the entire game. Which is just fascinating to me, like, because I feel the same way. Like, I feel like I could literally walk through um, the Undead Asylum blindfolded. I know it's not true, and I'm not going to video it, so don't even ask me yeah. to. But right. it'd be like that kind of thing. Like, it just feels like it's home is a good way to describe it. Yeah, and and the thing is, I'm not done with it. Um, for the first time ever, I did a sorcery run, um, maybe six months ago. It's the first time I ever did something that wasn't pyromancy or a weapon. Um, I've, I'm in the middle of a Soul Level 1 run uh, right now that I've kind of put to the side to go back to the Dark Souls the Dark Souls 3 DLC. I'm not done with that game by any stretch of the imagination. I will keep going back to it, and I will keep having fun with it. Nice. How long... Because you said you came to the game relatively late. Like, how long did it take you to kind of get through that game and go like, oh, wait, there's a second one of these, and to start looking over towards the, the next one? Or even the first one, even Demon Souls, whichever was the next game. So, um, Demon Souls, I have not played yet. I've watched, uh, like, Lobos do runs of it and stuff like that, so I know the game. Um, that's the main one I haven't played because I don't have a PS3. Uh, I've since, since I borrowed that PS3 from my friend, I've moved to PC and gotten all the Dark Souls. Uh, eventually even borrowed his PS4 to play Bloodborne. Um, but I just put, uh, I'm in a secret Santa and you can make a list of like things you might want. And I just put demon souls on it. Cause I think over winter break, I think I'm going to finally, uh, bust through that wall. I'm going to, I'm going to play demon souls for the first time, which is nice. Me. I will, I will probably cut this little part out, but, um, when you do drop me a line, let me know. And, uh, cause I'm several people on the, that have been on the podcast before have gone back and finished other games. And I'm probably going to do like a, uh, like a catch up episode combining a bunch of different people. So if that happens, oh, sure. definitely to, just, just let me know. Yes, I will do that. So, um, Dark Souls Two was your was your next game then? It was, but I think it took me a little while because I th- the timeline is weird because eventually I you know eventually I decided to leave my house for that. So there's only like <laughs> there's only so many microwave pizza boxes and empty bottles of old English that you can build up around you before you go. Maybe I should see the sun again. 
Um, yeah. and 92 so, and is the number of bottles. If anyone's was, out there. It, it, yes, <laughs> that is um, science. They, they figured that out. And eventually I stopped and uh, I did some other stuff. And there was a point where I remember uh, those two friends, Wyatt and Paul talking about how like there was this other version of dark souls two coming out and I should just wait for that because it was going to look so much better and blah, blah, blah. And um, I did, I think I ended up waiting for the, like the Christmas steam sale uh, and I bought uh, Dark Souls 1 and uh, Scholar of the First Sin. Again, my time could be a little bit off. Um, That's fine. No, no one's going to bust you on chronological stuff. I'm oh, hey, this is it. going on the internet. People will bust me on this. <laughs> um, Maybe on your podcast. All my podcast yeah. listeners are great and perfect. And they love to leave iTunes reviews. <laughs> okay. Nice, nice guys on your, uh, on your, uh, on the end. Yeah, the, Dark yeah. you know, the Dark Souls community is largely very... Uh, welcoming and friendly, which you cannot say about a lot of video games. That does always impress me. Yeah, it's a there's a there's definitely a, a line between like there's two communities in my mind. Is like the community that is so nice and welcoming, and then like I'll see people that come on like and uh, that pop up and like start doing stuff, like start communicating with everybody, and it's lovely and it's great. And then like there's the Dark Souls hater side where people call each other horrible names because they didn't bow in PvP. So oh well, <laughs> yeah. But I'm sorry, we, we kind of got off a, a little bit from your Dark Souls 2 story. Um, oh, yeah, so I, I, they just, uh, I waited for it, and I eventually, uh, I got on sale. And the funny thing is, I got um, the Dark Souls, when I got Dark Souls on PC, that was the first time I'd played the DLC. I didn't play it on his computer, uh, on, on his uh, PS3, because I didn't want to buy anything through his uh, through his PS tag or whatever it's called. Because um, I didn't have my own uh, PS login because I didn't have a PlayStation. I didn't want to buy it on his. So I never played the DLC until like my fourth time through uh, on the PC. So that, yeah, the purchasing it uh, that Christmas was like I got the Artorias of the Bist DLC and I got Scholar of the First Sin. And again, since uh, I'm both a student and a teacher, I had that winter break and I was just like, yes, here we go again. <laughs> really training you guys for the real world up there, huh? <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, do it. I, I feel like this happens every time. Do I have to talk about my my Dark Souls two feelings? Because I feel like I feel like talking about Dark Souls two and like a Dark Souls thing is like uh, going to like a mystery science theater forum and starting like the Mike or Joel argument. It's sure. just like yeah. you shouldn't do it anymore. And I just I don't like Dark Souls two as much. Um, That's fine. Yeah. Believe me, I've had I've had all kinds of people on the show, and like the the, the the opinions widely vary. Um, I remember after playing 120 hours of it, I was kind of disappointed, which is a ridiculous statement to make. But like, I very clearly remember being like, okay, I think I might be I might be done with this game for a little while, which is something I never thought would happen coming off of 17 years of Souls, which is the only game I ever played. Yeah. So. There's a good game in there, and I wonder if because like I'll never get to play Dark Souls two for the first time without all the DLC. Uh, without the scholar changes. So I don't know if I would have liked it out of the box, but scholar adds a bunch of stuff that I don't like, which is mostly it's, it's difficulty seems to be based on just throwing a large amount of enemies at you certain Mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. And not only do I not like that, but I don't think there's a single really captivating like area of the game. Granted, like, Dark Souls 1 did have stuff like Lost Eyes and the Demon Ruins, which, yeah, we all know that is... But it still had, uh, 
like sends Fortress and Enter Londo and places that you're like, well, this is memorable. I barely remember any areas of Dark Souls. So I find myself just sprinting past it until I can get to the next boss. And I do like a lot of the bosses in two. Mm-hmm. So there's great stuff there. It's just, it's, it's a great example of quantity over quality to me. Okay. That's, I can understand that. I find a lot of people that have like a, a really significant connection to Dark Souls 1. Um, they come to Dark Souls 2 and it's just... Is exactly what you would want out of a sequel. Like it's it's interesting and it's different while still maintaining a lot of similarities. But I feel like it's just a little too different. You know what I'm saying? And it just it kind of breaks. Like with Dark Souls One, I could like you said earlier, this could play it over and over and over again. And it wasn't until like years later with Dark Souls Two that I could start doing multiple playthroughs. Like I did like one playthrough and I was like, eh, I'm good. So. I just think it's. I think the biggest problem for me is it's too big. You know it it. it your home feels like a home because it's familiar and it's it's usually like a, a tiny place. But like, I feel like a a giant mansion can never quite feel like home because it's just too too large. And I feel like that's the kind of thing with Dark Souls Two is there's there's too much of it. And I I do feel like there's a good game in there. I like a lot of the stuff that it did with um the the is it the bonfire six that you just reset the place so you can go fight the boss again. Yeah, love that, love that. Love how many weapons there are. Love how much fashions there is. Um, I think it's the best PvP of any of the Dark Souls. I just don't like PvP. Uh, so there's good <laughs> stuff there. Just not for me. I feel like it's like, uh, I'm a big pop music guy. So with music, occasionally you get, um, you'll get like a, an artist will release like a 16 track album. And I'll be like, holy shit, 16 tracks. This is ridiculously large. And then, like, six months later, you'll get a B-side album with, like, eight more. Like, oh, my God, I have 24 tracks of this album. Me, I will, like, take my favorite 14 songs and just make an album that I can listen to cover to cover. I wish that I could chop Dark Souls 2 up into the stuff I loved and get Mm -hmm. rid of all of the, the, the chaff and just have an amazing game. I think there's a game there that it's just a pain in the ass to play all the stuff that I really like to play. I, I can, I can totally understand that. Did you, did you do end up doing multiple playthroughs of it at all? Like, have you gone through a couple of times trying out different stuff? It. I've done two or three all boss runs. And I think the thing that makes me the most sad is I feel like doing a Soulsborne game. If you're not doing all bosses, you're not playing the game. And mm-hmm. that sounds, maybe that sounds kind of like get good shitty. Um, and as away from where I'm actually coming from as possible, but like I feel like skipping content just feels wrong in these games. Um, and good God, I will never. Lobos um, refers to the area as I believe it's Horsefuck Valley. Um, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I honestly feel like that is the worst area level of a video game I've ever played in my life. It's not great. It wound up on my top ten list, or my worst ten list when I did that for with uh, Gary on Bonfire Side Chat. Yeah. Like, there's a reason it was there. <laughs> and it doesn't even end with a, it. It's an insult to injury because boss is just something you've done before, copy and pasted. Ah, oh, God, I just, I just, there's so much of Dark Souls 2 that uh, it gets so close, but it doesn't get there. I mean, it doesn't I, quite get there. Yeah, but then you've got stuff like I love the design of the Demon of Saul. Like that is awesome, despite yeah. the fact you have to go through the King Shrine of Mana to get there. Um, 
See, I don't even mind the Shrine of Amana. Like, if you're talking about areas in that game, like, that's one of the most striking areas. And even across, like, the, the three main Souls games, like, that, that whole area is just really, really interesting and neat. Like, I know that the, actually, the mechanical playthrough of that, it can be very frustrating. Right. And, and with Scholar, it's, like, people always talk that it, talk about, like, oh, man, the vanilla Shrine of Romana, like, that was, like, was the true Dark Souls. And, like, the, the difference between vanilla and then the patch and then the Scholar is very minimal. Like, you just have a little bit less tracking on those things. Like, you would still get hit with them. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But I think it's a little overly difficult, especially if you're not a ranged character. But it's so mm-hmm. pretty. Like, and the weird the weird music behind it is so interesting and neat that I, yeah, I, I, have, a, I have a big fondness for Shrine of Romana. <laughs> That's some of my disappointment there, too, is, like, Shrine of Romana is a striking area that you just end up running a straight line through. And um, the the dragon place where you can do all the zip lines and there's the bridges is a beautiful area that's just a massive pain in the ass and leads to another garbage area. Just, there's so much stuff that almost makes it. And then there's stuff like the Fume Knight, which I absolutely love as a boss. And, um, man, dropping through uh, Ilium Lois with the, the Ice Knights and just doing this war, like the closest thing to a war you get in dark in a Dark Souls game, like that is great. But there's just other stuff around it. Like I wish I could make that the closing track to my 14 song album instead of having to listen to all 28 tracks. You know. <laughs> I I totally understand that. Yeah, I, I get it. Well, I guess before we get like into just mired into Dark Souls two stuff, mm-hmm. like um, obviously at this point you're kind of in, you're. You were playing before Dark Souls Three was released. If I've got my yes. my timelines in order, so this was the first game that you could kind of participate in the hype going up to a release of a Dark Souls game. Like, did you get into any of that stuff? Were you following it on the internet? What, what, what were you doing? So Dark Souls Three disappointed me in the release, not not in the, the gameplay because I actually love Dark Souls Three. Um, the only sporting game that I've gotten to play almost as it came out and could experience it sort of blind, was Bloodborne. Um, but I had to do that through that friend who had the PS4. So it'd be like, and he, he's married at this point, and so I'd have to like go over to his house, play for two hours, be like, alright, see you Get guys. kicked out by his wife. <laughs> come, come back, like wait three days, do it again. So like big chunks of it were spoiled for me, because I can't... I, I don't mind spoilers, Um so I don't I don't really give a shit about going and watching Lobos or Epic Name Bro play it. Um, and then Dark Souls three they released it a month in in advance in another country, and there was no way I was going to just ignore it. So I watched a lot of that. So this DLC the um, the the Ariandel DLC is the first time that I ever got to play a Souls completely blind with everyone else together. Oh, nice. How, how was that? Like, was it? Do you think that's your would be your preferred experience now, or do you still makes didn't really make that much of a difference for you? Didn't really make that much of a difference for me. But I again, I'm a guy who doesn't mind spoilers. I knew, I knew the sad part of the new Star Wars movie before, uh, before I saw it. But it didn't make me cry like a baby any less. Um, so like spoilers, it, it doesn't matter to me. I don't mind. Um, but I did enjoy going into it completely blind uh, it felt it felt the most like it did the first time i played dark souls and there's a part of me that's always kind of trying to get back to that feeling that i know i never will interesting 
I guess we, I jumped you into Dark Souls 3 and kind of forgetting that Bloodborne existed, which there's about 45 people that listen to this podcast they are going to berate me on Twitter for forgetting that Bloodborne existed. <laughs> where, where are you at on Bloodborne? Because the, there's some pretty uh, significant... Go ahead. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Um, if, you, if you ask me what my favorite Soulsborne is, six days of the week, I'll say uh, Dark Souls 1, but like you'll catch me on a Thursday and I'll say Bloodborne. Um, because it's, it's that good. It's, it's Lovecraftian. Uh, and I'm a guy, uh, I, I'm a guy with shitty tattoos and one of them is a Lovecraft tattoo. I love me some Lovecraft. Um, I love the fast paced because my favorite things in Dark Souls had always been these, uh, one-on-one duel kind of battles. Uh, Artorias, um, had always been my favorite boss fight in a Dark Souls game. And then... Bloodborne came around, and a lot of it was just a whole bunch of Artorias-esque boss fights, and I just felt like it was a game made for me, and I absolutely loved it. I'm a horror movie guy. The aesthetic was amazing. Uh, Even though I mentioned I was just a hide-behind-a-board-and-poke guy, eventually I became a just-play-naked-and-roll-around kind of guy, so the Mm -hmm. fast pace really fit for me. Love it. Love Bloodborne. Uh, Everything about it is incredible. (laughs) <laughs> I love that every person that comes on the show loves Bloodborne. There's only been, it's like, so two people that that, does, that don't like it, and that's just so my jam. <laughs> yeah, it's it's right up my alley. Um, and, you know, I did... Some of the stuff was spoiled for me, uh, because just, like I said, I sporadically played that game. Um, but I, I missed the twist. I had no idea where it was going. Oh, really? I wasn't even going to ask, because you said that you had kind of gotten spoiled on it. So you had no idea that there was going to be, like, a Lovecraft twist in the middle? No, because I'd I'd be watching Lobos here and there, and I never saw the big transition. Like, I saw him fighting... um, Who's the guy that runs away? Is that Mikolash? Mikolash. Yeah, I saw that fight, and I saw the German fight, um, and that was the main stuff that... uh, Endgame that was spoiled for me. But I, I missed all of the cosmic horror aspect, even to that point. I still thought it was, like, Universal Monsters... Bloodborne. Like, oh, you've got some werewolves and a Dracula, and, like, there's probably a Frankenstein somewhere in sure, there. Sure, yeah. Invisible Man, probably. <laughs> Gilman, sure, fuck it, probably. That's probably yeah. what I'm dealing with. Had no idea it became about old gods and things like that. God, that must have been, as a, as a fan of Lovecraft, like, that must have kind of blown you away. Oh, when I beat Rom, I almost shit my pants. It was so cool. <laughs> that moment, that transition in that game is probably my favorite moment out of Souls games. Like, Killing him, and then the moon, and transitioning to, like, Yargul, which is just totally fucked. Like, that's the only way you could describe it, it's totally fucked. The sky has changed. Like, you go back to an early area, and the sky has changed everywhere, which never has happened before in a Souls game, and it starts freaking you out. Like, it was so perfect. Like, it was just so well, it's so well wrought. And it's so, I love... Um, how restrained the game allows itself to be. There's hints, like, you you can get crushed by the amygdala uh, way in advance and not know what the hell just happened, and then you f- you figure out what what that was after the, the switchover, and it's just like, oh my god, it was, it was right in front of me. And then there's a mechanic that basically is like, it was right in front of you, idiot. You could have seen this. Yeah. It's so well-crafted <laughs> so much and well-thought out. It's a brilliant game, and like, Things like that are part of why, outside of the emotional aspect, it's probably my favorite Soulsborne game. But like I said, you know, Dark Souls will always be home, but like, Bloodborne is really good. And then the DLC adds some great stuff. I said, 
you know, Artorias was like my favorite fight, but that's until I got to Maria. Yeah, if you like, because I really, I'm just like you, I like the duel fights a lot in Bloodborne, and man, Lady Maria expanded on that to an extent that I just fucking love. I did, I spent some time a couple weekends ago, like, sunbrowing for that fight, which I hadn't done in a while, and two people kind of fuck her up pretty quick, like, it's disappointing, but, like, just the way she escalates that fight, like, first, Mm -hmm. it's just the blades, and then it's the blood, and then it's the fire and the blood, like, that's just a, a super cool, I don't like a lot of phases in boss fights, but, man, that one just works for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great. The story is fantastic. It's like, it's the best combination of like tragic and melancholy and nostalgic. I think, I think nostalgia is a word that doesn't get used enough when describing Dark Souls lore. There's like, there's always this idea of like recapturing something that you can never have again in a lot of the stories of Dark Souls, which is I think part of why it resonates with me so much is because I am always trying to recapture that first time I played Dark Souls, uh, and Bloodborne, of any of the games, does that the most. Um, So I feel like so much of Bloodborne just works. It's, like, targeted straight for my soul. (laughs) Sounds like you should buy a PS4 and play Bloodborne again. I know, right? And I think the only reason I haven't finished the Chalice Dungeons is because I don't own the game. Um, I was was set to work my way through it, but I, I realized it was a lot more expansive and repetitive uh, than I than I initially realized. Yeah, it's they could be better. I'm not gonna lie, they could be better. And uh, I've and, and probably like in a situation like that where you're literally like going to somebody's house, definitely not worth doing. <laughs> like, there's so many other no. things you could be doing at your friend's house besides playing the Chalice Dungeons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, was, I really wanted to get to that last boss, and I, I'd seen that happen, um, but I, I don't know if that if I if I will ever get there. Um, but I would love to see more. Like I started saying that, and I was like, "Do I really actually want to see more Bloodborne?" I, I talk about I this all the time. Yeah, man. Like I, you don't want it, but you can't help but want it. Exactly. Like I guess. Like I'm. Like I said, I always want to get back to that. I've. I've. I've had this conversation with friends. Like you get. You get like higher drunk with friends, and you just you start asking each other stupid questions, and. Uh, one of my friends one time asked me, like, what would be your shitty superpower? Like, what do you mean? He's like, a superpower that won't help you save anybody. But, like, you could still have. Like, it's like the Jubilee question, basically. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I just realized you do the the, X, the X-Men show. Uh, so this this is right up your alley. I li- um, not only that, I literally just recorded an episode of that. That was what I was recording before oh, this. Okay. So I just spent two hours on, on a mic talking about X-Men. So go, go right ahead. <laughs> well, I've always said my shitty mutant power would be the ability to forget something like it, an eternal sunshine uh, ability where I can just forget something that I'd seen before so I can relive it again. Like I would love to just delete my memories of dark souls yeah. so I could relive it again. Like I would love to delete seeing Jurassic park as a child. So I can just keep having that experience over and over again. Like, and I feel I, like I'm always fighting for that. I just want like a um, series of bottles that um, Joe Bluth carries around with him, the Forget Me Nots, oh, that just say like Jurassic Park, Dark Souls One, oh. <laughs> the first time that you had a steak medium rare, perfect, you know that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> I, I would, I would take, I would take one to forget Arrested Development, so I could do that again. And could, <laughs> yeah, there's so many little things that I wish uh, I could experience for the first time again. Like I wonder what it was like, um, like the first time that I saw. Like Halloween is past, like the movie Halloween. Like I absolutely adore that movie. Like, and I think I saw it for the first time when I was like 
way too young, like eight. Like, I wish I could just get rid of that and see it as a human being and, like, experience all of that again for the first time. Like, ah, it's... And I'm always chasing that with Dark Souls. The, the, the core to that, I think, and I may be just kind of like rambling here, but um, I think the core to that is like, I feel like I'm smarter now. I feel like I'm smarter and better now as a person than I was when the first time I experienced it. So it would have to be a better experience now than it was then. And I, that's what I always kind of come back to with wanting to like, okay, I could forget Dark Souls, but like, I, I'm kind of more patient as, as of a gamer now. So like, maybe I could actually tease a lot of those story bits that were kind of glazing over me now. Like, I, I feel like maybe I could do some more of that. So... But I'm, I'm with you. I, like that's a that's a great shitty superpower. <laughs> yeah. Well, first off, if anyone's rambling here, it's 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 this guy. Uh, but <laughs> and I apologize for that. But yes, like that. That's that's the thing. Is like um, I feel like Bloodborne hits a lot of the things that it, it just feels like it's targeted at me, and um, it doesn't resonate on the nostalgia level that Dark Souls One does. But that's not the game's fault. Like, it, Dark Souls 1 only edges it out, and it shouldn't really be a competition, but, I mean, it kind of is in a lot of ways. Um, the only reason it edges it out is just because it came first, I think. I think Bloodborne is is a masterpiece. Well, as someone who obviously adores Dark Souls 1, when we get to Dark Souls 3, like, it's such a very direct sequel to Dark Souls 1 in a way that Dark Souls 2 wasn't. How did that? How did that game hit you at that point? Huh. Um, I wish I could have had my shitty mutant pack I could unwatch Epic Name Bros playthrough that happened three weeks before I was able to touch the game. Because I think it would have yeah. been really cool to see Firelink Shrine pop up on the screen. Yep. I mean, I like, really there were people on, like, scene. random gaming podcasts just shouting, saying the word, you know, Firelink Shrine, and that fucking Gross. sucked. Like, it was shitty. Yeah, that's... Ugh. I managed to uh, avoid any of that, but I mean, at that point, it didn't matter because I'd seen it elsewhere. I mean, I, I at least got to experience it with my eyes, which was cool. Um, like, I got to see him walk into um, the uh, what is it called? Where uh, that hidden boss from Dark Souls One in Anerlando? What's that character? Gwendolyn. The Dark Gwendolyn. Dark Moon. Yeah. Can I just say that I really hate the naming scheme in all of the Dark Souls games? <laughs> the Gwendolyn, Guinevere. How many characters that start with Y, Yol, Yuria, it's how every kingdom starts with an L. It's, there's so much shit that I can't keep straight. Um, yes, Gwen, so when you, he, he gets past the Silver Knights and he, he goes into, you know, like, oh shit, this is the tomb. Oh shit, the invisible wall is still there. Oh god, we're in Anorlando again. Like, at least I got to experience that watching someone play live. Mm -hmm. If I just read that, I would have been pissed. But like, you know, I sure I didn't get to experience it alone and with my own hands, but I got to see it. And that was really cool. I've heard the worst stories from people about how they got that spoiled for them. Um, one of my buddies on Twitter, like, cause you know, there was the, a lot of the game was open. And so people were doing like PVP and stuff. Um, so the guys that released PVP videos and, he was just thinking like, oh, like there's not going to be anything. Like I might see an area, but I'll see some PvP stuff. There's not going to be any big stories, you know, spoilers. And was like, oh shit, this is Anne Orlando. This is the where the big PvP covenant is, <laughs> which was kind of a and uh, another buddy of mine. He got his collector's edition and looked at the map that came with it, and was just oh. like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have looked at the map then. <laughs> wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. That is yeah. not well thought out at all. 
No, Bamco does not have a great history with marketing or, or keeping this game quiet. So, that, where, where did you wind up on it? Did you end up enjoying it when you did play? Dark Souls Three, I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, I I love how fluid it is. There, there are certain things about it that I think are are a step backwards. Uh, I don't think there's as much fashion souls, which I, I certainly miss as compared to two. I don't think there's as much variety in weapons, but those are really all that I miss. And I guess the bonfire aesthetics, I would love to just be able to go back and do um, some of the bosses a second time immediately after I, I beat them. Uh, yeah. without, Same with I, Bloodborne, for that matter. Like If oh, I could just yeah. use an item to fight Lady Maria over and over again, that's probably what I would be doing right now instead of podcasting. And I think, in Bloodborne especially, because PvP and co-op is not as tight in Bloodborne and not as easy to put together. Uh, whereas Dark Souls 3, what I ended up doing after I beat the Nameless King was just like, well, putting my sign down here for an hour, doing that again, that was great. <laughs> but in Bloodborne, I found that to be harder yeah, they, they eventually made it easier. Like, by the time the DLC is out, like, nowadays it's fairly easy to get a summon. But, like, it's there's just not a lot of player population that even think to do mm. it, I think. I think they just play the game, so. Yeah. Uh, I do love that it brought over the uh, password mechanic because uh, for the first time I played a co-op run of Dark Souls 3. Uh, I have a Dark Souls in general, and that was a blast. And that was with uh, the Wyatt, that friend who returned the game. So it's kind nice. of come full circle. I got to mm-hmm. do a whole run with a good friend of mine. Had a great time. Got to try out builds that I probably wouldn't have had the balls to do if uh, I was doing it solo. And uh, you know, I, I I have yet to finish a full co-op run. Like I started one with a for an LP with a, one dude, and then that didn't get very far. And uh, like I've I've done a lot of co-op, but I bet it was an absolute, absolute blast to, like, actually go through the game together with, like, oh, a, a good buddy. Yeah. It was, it was, there was a funny, funny moment there where we, uh, we, we are, we had a couple beers before we started because we didn't even think to do it. We were, we were just hanging out over, um, over, like, Discord, and we're talking and we're drinking beers and we're just like, let's play Dark Souls. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Cause we we're going to play, like, Worms or something like that, but I was like, what about Dark Souls? Because I always just want to play Dark Souls. And, we're getting into the game, and we both get through uh, Gundir, because you have to. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to the high wall. You get there, uh, and I'll, I'll meet you. I'll put my sign down. And I get there, and I see him go, oh, no. And he put his PS4 controller down, and he accidentally hit um, Hawkwood. So he's like, I can't get to the bonfire. He keeps trying to murder me. So, like, for 20 minutes, I had to listen to him <laughs> at, like, soul level four or whatever, trying to get past Hawkwood to get to the bonfire. And, like, it was just this moment of joy for both of us when he finally did it. I could even see him doing it. And that's the thing. That's the thing that initially got me there. Like, we, we, we missed that. The thing that initially kept me in this game was the moment that I beat Ornstein and Smo without being able to summon because I was an idiot and playing offline after three consecutive hours of trying to beat them <laughs> and That's texting crazy. my friends and being like, this is fucking bullshit. This isn't even a real game. How am I supposed to do this? The moment where I finally did that is the single... As an old man, I don't feel much anymore. I'm half dead inside. Um, there's, that was one of the biggest moments of joy in, like, the last four years of my life was finally beating those assholes. <laughs> I probably had, I had, like, a plus three lightning spear, probably, or something like that. Way too under-leveled, because I didn't know what I was doing. And that's the stuff that 
most games can't do is That's make perfect. you feel like you've succeeded. Like, you can pass a mission in Grand Theft Auto Five or whatever, and it's just like, yeah, I did it, because that's what I've been doing the entire game. But how often do you run to something where you're smashing your face against this, and then you finish it? A, you, you don't give up. You keep doing it, and you get to the point where you finish it, and you just throw that, that controller down and go, yes, yeah, I, I fucking did it. I can't, I did it. Fuck you, game. I did it. I beat you. Like, how good does that feel? And that's the thing that brought me back and made me finish Dark Souls. And there's not a lot of games that can do that. As especially to me as an adult, there were games that could make me do that as a kid. Battletoads. Yeah. When I got past that turbo tunnel, I did that. But like as a, as a grown ass man, there's not a lot of games that can do that. And maybe that's the thing about Dark Souls. Is maybe I'm not chasing nostalgia for Dark Souls. Maybe I'm chasing nostalgia for that feeling I felt as a kid. I think that's I think that's the perfect story to end the podcast on, Chris. That's perfect. I think that brings us full circle. Thank you so much for coming on and guesting on the show with me, man. I really appreciate it. This was uh, an absolute blast. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, yeah. So um, part of why I wanted to do the show was because I love the idea of talking about what um, entertainment can be can mean to you on a personal level. Um, and I have a podcast uh, called the now and again podcast that is about that, but for pop music instead of dark souls. Um, we do you remember uh, the, now that's what I call music compilation. Absolutely. Does that yeah. ring? A, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, each month me and uh, me and a guest go through the track listing of that. And we talk about <laughs> the songs that are on that. And, uh, but the thing is like, most of my guests don't realize it coming in, but they found, they find out that like memories of like, uh, Smash Mouth's all-star or like a Britney Spears song triggers these memories from when they were at this really like awkward age, like eighth grade or sixth grade is usually about when they come in. And there, and it, it turns out that (laughs) pop music kind of embeds itself into your, your consciousness, um, and it's more important than people think. Uh, it, it becomes this kind of soundtrack to your life. And the Now and Again podcast kind of uh, explores that aspect of, of pop music. Um, and we have a lot, of, a lot of fun with it. That sounds awesome. That sounds actually like, a, I, as a lot of listeners know, like I do zero research for this podcast. So when you asked me to be on it, I did no research whatsoever. But yeah, that sounds really interesting. I might have to go download and take the, download an episode and check that out. Yeah, so um, you can find that at a cageclub.me. It's a it's a the Cage Club podcast network um, that comes from a, a podcast my friend runs where they they went through the entire Nicolas Cage filmography and uh, okay. I guess I guess on a couple of those episodes. But cageclub.me, uh, you can find now and again or Cage Club or Keanu Club if you're into any of those actors. Um, you can catch me on uh, guesting on a couple of those episodes and uh, it's kind of like a duck feed thing, but for movies and, uh, and music. Cool. So if you're into cool. that kind of thing, check that out. There, there really is a podcast for everything. nowadays. There really, really, really is. <laughs> um, I guess I'm also on a, uh, I don't tweet that much, uh, but you can find me at a, uh, I'm Instagram Chapman on Twitter, uh, Insta Chapman 
is the handle. I don't really know how Twitter works, so I don't know if people can find me. Or uh, or now now again podcast on Twitter. You'll have the links up, right? I'm really bad at Twitter. I don't know mm-hmm. how it works. So <laughs> to be honest, I'm not good at social networking. That's fine. Yeah, that's cool. You don't. Nobody should be. To be very frank with you, like, and I don't. Uh, I I hate Twitter. I hate it that I like it so much. Like that's my, that's where I am in my life right now. It's like using Twitter all the time and then thinking like I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> you got it. You got to use that social networking, man. Get people to listen to this thing. Like, Seriously. And then you're like, oh well, I'm tweeting about everything now. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a terrible thing. Terrible cycle. But uh, thank you again. Thank you for coming on. And as always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast on Twitter at DGUS Podcast. If you'd like to come on the show like Chris did, send me an email, DGUSPodcast at gmail.com. Include a little short story about your soul story, and uh, we'll come and get you on the podcast. It's easy as that. Thanks. And remember, don't give up, skeleton. I feel like I'm heel turning on uh on like the on the not that I was in the Dark Souls community, but I feel like we had such a good, fun, lively chat last time, and now I'm just immediately gonna like like hit you in the back with a steel chair as I completely completely <laughs> shit on Demon Souls. <laughs> not completely, like I just really uh well we'll talk We'll get into it. Like I'm 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 ready to hear it. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Well it's just like I mentioned when I uh, I did the first the first show many many moons ago um, that I was really excited for Demon Souls it was the only one that I hadn't played um, I think it was close to Christmas I think I said that I asked for it in a in a Secret Santa thing mm-hmm. and I got it um, popped it in I played it uh, my PS3 was at my girlfriend's house so I was playing it over the course of like multiple weekends and I just had a reaction to it that I'd never had uh, with another Souls game which was. Um, it was like frustration on a level that like you get frustrated with dark souls and you're like, okay, I see what happened there. I get why I screwed that up. Um, demon souls felt like I had consistently more mechanical frustrations with the game and that bugged me. So like this gonna do some specifics because there's some real janky stuff in Demon Souls in general. Like oh, they, they yeah. didn't really um like all of the world tendency and character tendency stuff is pretty you know, that's almost inscrutable at this point, even, you know, seven, eight years after its release. What what, what specifically yeah. was tripping you up? Well that that's definitely a big part of it. And I started to understand why a lot on this show and a lot in in the Dark Souls in verse um people always say like oh yeah i played demon souls when it first came out and i ran my head into it for three hours and i gave up and then i came back to it after dark souls uh and i think it's because demon souls is a bad game like it's (laughs) like that's why that that is a universal thing because people had to wait until there was this other precedent set or like months later until people put together wikis for the game before it was like you could crack into it at all 
going into that as blind as everyone was, I don't know why anyone would like it. It's not very good. Um, so, so are you saying like it's ahead. the original uh, like Mad Max movies? Because most people, when you think of like the original Mad Max movies, they're thinking of um, like way, way post-apocalyptic desert stuff. Yeah. Nobody ever thinks about like that 70s movies, which is all like kind of in real life as shit is breaking down. <laughs> and like, you know what I, I'm saying? I was working really hard to try to come up with like a film comparison and that that's not a bad one at all. Even though I, I like, I like the first Mad Max, so I wouldn't, maybe it's not quite that, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, I definitely can feel that. There's parts of Demon Souls I definitely liked, but I think a big part of it was that it doesn't control well at all. Um, felt like I needed more of a smooth, uh, smooth control and I needed the game to feel more fluid. And it felt like, and not just when I was in, uh, in level five, like it felt like I was moving through mud a lot of the time <laughs> in that game. In a lot of ways, it reminded me a lot of Dark Souls 2 than it ever did Dark Souls 1 or 3. And I, as we talked about, I don't love Dark Souls 2. Yeah. Uh, though this made Dark Souls 2 look like Dark Souls 1. <laughs> <laughs> That's really weird because um I think the movement speed in uh Dark Souls excuse me I think the move, movement speed in Demon Souls is probably faster than Dark Souls 1 and quite a bit slower than or quite a bit faster than Dark Souls 2 especially when you start out. Like I think Demon Souls is you're always a little bit more agile. Are a little bit more agile in in regards to like the swings happen more fast uh, I think. And I think you can use your shield. I think that's a little bit more fluid, but rolling and dodging, I think is super, super duper janky. Um, I do like how um, backstabs feel like they work more often. Um feel really good. And I do like the animations a lot in regards to that. But there was so many times, oh God, man, there, <sighs> fall damage is something that there's so many falls that I fell down and I was like, oh, I'm dead. And I took like 10% damage. And then I would fall down something smaller than that in a later level and just die. Um, that was extremely frustrating, especially since the game loved spiral staircases and the game loves to roll you off the side of them yes. just as you're running up them. So I felt a lot of frustration there. How did you deal with having um, like half of your life basically the entire game? Was that a frustration for you? No, I didn't mind that because Dark Souls 2, again, um, yeah, kind of that had already did taught you that. the same thing. Yeah, so I didn't have a problem there. It would have been nice to have more um, ephemeral eyes to to go against that. But then I, I spent like the first two levels being like, oh, okay, I, I can't do this. I got to preserve my world tendency or whatever. And at a certain point, I knew I was never going back and doing all of that stuff. So <laughs> I, I didn't bother and I'd start popping the eyes. When uh, was the, uh, when was like the turn? Like when did you start from, uh, okay, this is a new Souls game that I'm super excited to play into, God, I hate playing this game. I'm almost dreading and play it. Oh, about three quarters into one one. Wow, that quick, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't like it very early on, and it wasn't like a get good thing. Like there was, um, there was a, it was slow. It was a slow struggle, um, for sure. Uh, I don't think the level is very well designed. In fact, that'd probably be my biggest complaint. Is they either need to, they needed to do more with shortcuts, or they needed to have more arch stones, um perfect this expecting me to go through the whole level a bunch of times uh it just got not fun especially in levels like two one i guess uh where like there's a boss like the flame lurker or um the the man eater level i mean even though you unlock stuff with the man eater running past that red 
head guy was not fun every time. Long, it's like a five minute run. So I take it you did not find the shortcut to Flame Lurker. There's the one you can just fall down, yeah, but yeah, then yeah, that's the... fall damage is so inconsistent. Sometimes it would just push me off of where I was supposed to land. <laughs> what pushed you to uh, finishing the game? Like if you if you didn't like it this much, like what was what was what was driving you to actually you know get it done and finish it? Just the, that the... is that is definitely the question my girlfriend kept asking. As like every <laughs> five minutes, I'd be like, "What the fuck is this game doing?" Um, <laughs> just s- stubborn stupidity. Um, and I don't, I felt like I had to finish it. Um, like I, there was times when I was really enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. Just as an entire experience. Uh, and I don't play a ton of video games. That's the thing. Um, I've probably played seven or eight video games in the last four or five years. Um, so to say this is at the bottom of that, you know, it's, it's like a bad Martin Scorsese movie is still like a, a B. Um, so it's probably in compared to a lot of what comes out along that. There was things I really liked and I looked forward to them. Um, there was a string of bosses that I fought. Um, and I don't remember the exact order. Um, but I like, I got through the man eater and I loved that fight. Um, it made an Estrella at some point. I thought that fight was fantastic. Uh, that, well, that set piece was mostly fantastic. Little things like that, um, kept me pushing through the, uh, through the end of the game. And the final fight was really good too. Um, but there was a certain point where I just stopped having fun exploring and trying to learn stuff. And I just kind of uh, looked some things up and went, fuck it. All right, I got this giant sword now. And I'm going <laughs> to start smashing my way through the game. Uh, I, was, and I, it's, I was actually going to ask you about the uh, what, like, what, what kind of build or kind of weapons and, and armor you were wearing. Because um, Demon's Souls is notable because heavy armor is extraordinarily useless in that game. Like you just, Oh, like, it's trash. Yeah, total trash. What, what did you end up going with? Uh, Demon Souls doesn't have a lot of fun in the way of dress up. Um, I, I didn't even get that many piece of armor. You get like a couple of sets here and there. There's not a lot of room for dress up, unfortunately. Um, I think I went with my starting gear. I switched to the assassin's mask from the, the, the coronet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had, I bounced between shields a little bit. I was using adjudicator shield for a little while. That was way too big. Um, and I went, I think this, some kind of silver shield or the plus two shield that you get from two, one, um, Peter shield, I think it was. And I, uh, I ended up trading in a soul for the, um, I think it was a soul for the, the giant machete. I think it is the, Oh yeah. That thing is badass. I I just remember, uh, I went, when I started playing, I went back and listened to the, the fire uh side chat season of that and one of them mentioned just carving through shit mm-hmm. uh with that weapon and i was like yeah i'm done trying to figure out what weapon i want to use i get that and because I've, I've always liked great weapons in dark so i grabbed that and started smashing things yeah those are i, I, I prefer big weapons in just about all of the games like i'm very rarely going to use like a dagger mm-hmm. or anything even though i have done that in the past i, I very much prefer the the bigger weapons um <clears throat> there's a lot of times when the game feels like it is not built for you to have a build, but it's specifically built for you to be a jack of all trades. Like using a, like this game ex- seems to expect you to use a bow and magic and melee. Um, like Flame Lurker, I think is a good example of that. Um, and also Man Eaters a little bit where like if you're not using range stuff, you're getting severely punished. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another thing I guess I could bring up talking about the bosses is I think this did the reverse of what I like in Dark Souls, which is levels that seem challenging at first, but then you can eventually learn uh, and manage and they get shorter kind of as you, as you play them both in your memory and uh, as you bonfires. 
This creates almost like an artificial difficulty in the levels and then gives you boss fights that really aren't that good. Most of the boss fights are just big fat thing that swings in a Yeah, the the bosses with the exception of like some real notable standouts like the the end of boss of um World 4 um yes, which is a storm gi- ruler storm guy. ruler yeah that's a gimmick fight but man the presentation is so far above and beyond what they've done with gimmick fights even since that i, I just have to give it credit like there's some real originality there but then you get stuff like the uh the blind hero or the old hero which mm-hmm. is literally just like hide behind some pillars until you can kick this dude's ass like that's yeah it. and e- i even would rank that above like uh adjudicator leechmonger um leechmonger is, other- is like probably the dumbest boss that they have right <laughs> It, right after the leechmonger, there's another dude who's just a fat guy who swings at you that I can't even think of what his name is because who could care? Uh, uh, the bosses oh, the, aren't memorable. The Dirty Colossus, which I think is just yeah. the worst name. Like <laughs> it's just hilarious. That sounds like a like a sex act you hear like nine, ninth grade kids talking about. It's, like it sounds like you know, something the Dirty Colossus did, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not the bosses are not good. Um, though I will say, uh, mentioning the storm ruler, it did depreciate my enjoyment of the the storm ruler fight in dark souls 3 i never had a problem with that fight like with the storm ruler showing up i know a lot of people were like why is this in the game now i kind of get why people are mad at that um because that is a really cool set piece and that showing up again does really just feel like a hey hey guys remember this remember this cool thing you did in that other game (laughs) so i will say that did retroactively make me like uh that is really good. Made like Made in Australia is great. The lore for loreheads, it's I'm not a lorehead, but like there's not a ton here. There's a lot of gaps that aren't filled in, mm-hmm. and the lore that is there isn't super interesting. What do you um like? I mean the. I actually kind of dig the the overall world and like the, mm-hmm. the stuff that that's happening inside Demon Souls, and I think that like the way that 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 story is presented to you is 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 okay. But the fact that they hide a bunch of stuff behind these like kind of weird layers of world tendency and character yes. tendency and things like that, like there's tons. Like you mentioned, not picking up a lot of armor and stuff, and that's specifically because you weren't going through the areas multiple times in different tendencies. Because, you know, you get some really awesome sets of armor that way. Some of it is even only for, um, whatchamacallit, uh, only for, like, if you're a lady guy, if you're a lady dude instead of a a dude dude, which is kind of a weird thing to think about now. Yes. Yeah, I I did notice that. The last thing I did in the game was do one one's white tendency thing where you go and kill the executioner. Mm -hmm. That was the last thing I did before deciding like i don't want to do this but then i immediately started a new game and started going through Terra palace again and about 10 minutes into that i just went what am i doing uh and i forced myself to stop because that is the dark souls <laughs> trap you will just go back to it and in this case i didn't even like what i was doing uh and it still wanted to bring me back because you just feel like you're always going to get that that kind of endorphin release at the end of something like dark souls has trained you to do that you kill a boss you get that sound you're just like Give me that, give me that sweet brown smack, baby. Uh, but like, I, I wasn't getting that here, but I was still trained to think I was going to. And yeah, the world tendency stuff is a big part of why I think I missed a lot of game because I just wasn't going to deal with that. Has it, uh, has it turned you off from Souls altogether? Do you think you'll? Oh, still- God, no. God, no. Of course. In fact, it made me want to go back and play two more. It made me, it made me sad that I missed the return to Drang Lake that just happened because this is the first thing that made me appreciate Dark Souls two in a long time. 
Well, you're you're close to the return to Yarnum that they're about to do, so that's happening. I think next oh, okay. week, so you can get back into Bloodborne at least. <laughs> yeah, that is, that would make me very happy actually. Um, but like, yeah, it's it's cool. I get why people like it, but I think people like Demon Souls because of what came after it. Mm-hmm. Or like, you can like bad things. Like, I mean, I'm, I do a pop music podcast. We say that all the time. It's okay to like. It's okay things. to like bad um, things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but. Like I feel like what came after it was so is like retroactively makes Demon Souls better in a lot of people's minds. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong; people can still like Demon Souls. I love the room. I love pop music, uh, but I, I just wish more people would separate Demon Souls from Dark Souls because it's, I mean, I think Demon Souls uh, is bad in a lot of ways, and I don't <laughs> think that's just from me going backwards. Uh, all of the quality of life stuff is, is just gone. It's taking my favorite game and saying, here, it's worse. And I've struggled with trying to figure out if that's my fault or if it's the game's fault. And I think it's like 75% the game's fault. That's fair. I mean, it's it's something, like, as if you, especially if you've gotten used to the quality of life improvements and things, and um, just like the way that the characters move has been refined over the years. Like, there's, It's definitely harder to go backwards. Um, mm. and I, I, and I would guess that's, sorry, go ahead. No, continue. And I would guess that's part of why, um, to go back to your question is why I smashed my head again for so long to try to finish it. Cause I, I think, um, the goodwill that the other games, you know, kind of built up made me think that at some point it would be paid off. And like maybe one, one was just a, a bump in the road. And like I said, there was good parts. Tower of Latria is incredible. Uh, but it, it never, it never got there for me. Well, you mentioned that you, um, I guess, first off, thank you for coming back on and talking about this. Like, I know it's been a couple of minutes since we've last recorded your main episode because I'm just incredibly backlogged with episodes. But um, so thank you for coming back. I very much appreciate that. And uh, why don't you tell everybody about your pop music podcast? Because it's awesome. Because now now I've had a chance to listen to it a few times since we recorded and it's great. I really appreciate that. Um, And it was great to be back. I love... uh this podcast i love talking dark souls and uh you were on my uh end of 2016 episode so we we have some good conversations absolutely yeah this Always is fun. enjoy those uh now and again is a podcast about uh, the now that's what i call music franchise uh we go through a volume kind of track by track and don't just talk about the music like on a, on a good or bad spectrum we talk about what it means to us because a lot of people around my age you know i'm, I'm almost 30 grew up with songs and they trigger some sort of memories, some maybe nostalgia, maybe um, the most recent episode, the, the album came out in October of 2001. So we kind of had this diversion about like how entertainment that time was so drawn and connected to nine eleven. So we just kind of talk about music, the idea of music as a greater whole, using these dumb pop albums as a jumping off point. Uh, I know that sounds really pretentious, and you can just come for the pop music discussion, because there's definitely a lot of that. Um, but um, it's we try to make it more deeper than that. <laughs> well, you guys do a good job. Um, it's usually you and a guest. The ones I've listened to have only been with... Um Oh, I can't believe I just forgot the dude's name. I sent you a message. It was the guy that was really into Tori Amos that did the. Oh, uh, oh, Nico. Nico, yeah. yeah he's yeah. the closest thing I have to a co host yeah, on the show. He's, he's really awesome as well. So, highly recommended for me. And, I, you know, everyone go listen to that podcast. Uh, thanks, everyone, for staying past the credits for, you know, some additional stuff about Demon Souls, even though, you know, Chris talked a bunch of trash about it. We'll, we'll still forgive him about that. So, <laughs> I, uh,. And I guess that'll be it. I don't 
you guys have already heard the credits once, so I'm not going to do them again. And we will see you next week with a new episode. Bye.